You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase. The Virtual Vendor Showcase is a virtual online exhibitor hall, giving you the opportunity to browse products and services that may be of value to you and your business, all with video testimonials from people who have used a product or service and talk about how their business has been transformed because of it. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. Now, let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Today, I'm talking to Katie and Brian Green of Overlooked to Overbooked.com. And we are talking about how to optimize a listing. That means giving some zing to your listing with your photographs and your copy and making it stand out. As they say on their website, your home-baked cookies never get eaten if no one clicks on your listing. So you want to listen to this as Brian and Katie are going to tell us these seven principles for getting this right. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I am, as ever, really delighted to be back with you once again, yet another week. And it seems that we are into our summer season now. You know, normally we would wait until the end of June to talk about being in the season, but you know, it's here people booked very, very early. So the moment we opened up in June, it was just off to the races. And, you know, a couple of things have transformed our business already that that we're just noticing. Things that we've put in place over the past year that really are making a difference. And I just want to mention them right now because these are two companies I am so happy to be working with. And you know that I will endorse companies. We have our virtual vendor showcase where I endorse companies because I love them. I really enjoy them. But these two are standouts because I use them every single day in my company. And the number one is Touchday. You know, I talk about Touchday all the time. I love the company so much. I invested in it. So it, it, it works for me to endorse it. But you know, I endorse it because it really is amazing. It's an amazing product, amazing platform. The guys who run it, this is the whole thing. The guys who run these platforms are just amazing. They're responsive. They are really interested in us as a client. And I know it, you know, it's not just me. They're not just trying to please me because of the podcast or whatever. I know that they work 100% with all their other clients because I've spoken to them as well. So, you know, Touch Day is just great. I love working with them. Super responsive and a great product. The other one just started really in the last month or two to work with Breezeway with their text messaging. It has already transformed our lives. My uh, customer relations manager, Christina, she mentions it every single day and it's just 
as though the curtains have come back for her and she's she's seeing her summer in a completely different way. Instead of looking at it and going, oh my gosh, here comes summer and I'm not looking forward to this and I can't wait till September. She said she's actually eager each morning to get up and have a look at the text messages because there's so much great feedback coming from them. Instead of just getting the issues come into us, you know, the, the problems that people have come into us via telephone or email, the way we've got the text messaging set up is that it it really encourages people to tell us that they're having a fantastic time. And psychologically, that is such a positive benefit. So I'll be I'll be talking this through over the over the course of the summer as these platforms demonstrate to us how well they're working. So I will be sharing, you know, the good and the bad if there is any as we go through. But to just I just wanted to kick off saying thank you to Touchsay, thank you to Breezeway for bringing us platforms and products that are really transforming our business. Thank you guys. Okay, on the podcast today we're talking about how you make a difference right at the beginning. We, we spend a lot of time talking about how to wow our guests, you know, how that first impression is so important. You know, you've, the front door must look spotlessly clean. And when people open the door, the smell's got to be good. The feeling has to be there. But as they say, as Katie and Brian Green, who are my guests on the podcast today, as they say, your home-baked cookies never get eaten if no one clicks on your listing. And certainly in areas where there's a lot of listings that look the same, you've got to do something that makes a difference. You've got to be unique. As they say, giving your guests a great experience is crucial. But if no one books your place, your stellar hospitality and your complimentary wine will go to waste. And we're going to be talking today to them about the seven principles for optimizing your listing, how to make the photos wonderful and how to make the listing stand out from everybody else. So without further ado, let's go on over and talk to Brian and Katie Green from Overlooked to Overbooked. So I'm super delighted to have with me today Katie and Brian Green, who are coming to me from different areas. We have Katie in Finland and Brian, where did you say you were? You did tell me and now I've lost it. Southern Southern California. Southern California. Well, welcome to you both uh, from Overlooked to Overbooked. Such a great title for your website and the the work that you do because it actually says it all. And in this episode, we're going to talk all about that, how you can take somebody's listing from being overlooked to overbooked. This is a great intro, isn't it? It's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> Say more great things. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I mean, I met you both in San Antonio back in 2018. You came to the Vacation mm-hmm. Rental Success Summit. We had a great time there. That was such a good event. It was, it was great. And it seems like a thousand years ago now. <sighs> Doesn't it just? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It actually is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a thousand years in it's a thousand pandemic years I think. Yep, exactly. <laughs> or maybe a thousand pandemic months. So today we're going to talk about the seven principles of guest optimization, which is you know it's a that's a bit of a lengthy title, but it really is how to make 
How to make a zinger out of your listing, how to make people just jump into a listing and say, absolutely, this is the one for me. And you know, it's really interesting because I talk to owners in our property management company all the time when I'm talking, helping them to stage their properties. And I tell them, you know, you've only got this one chance to get people to go, wow, I've got to have this place, regardless of price, regardless of location, regardless of anything else, they see the photographs, they see the listing and they fall in love with it. And so this I know is what you guys do and how you help people. And I just want to kick off by finding out what got you into this business in the first place. All right. Whoever wants to go first. (laughs) Tell my version and, and, and Katie will add on. So through a variety of circumstances, uh, in 2014, we got the opportunity to become digital nomads for some, some amount of time. We decided, you know, we're out of California. Let's, let's just hit the road. And we actually went to Montana for a year. Then we went to New Zealand for six months and then France and Italy. And so every time that we were getting ready to go to the next place, we would usually stay at an Airbnb for multiple months at a time. And I was chief researcher. I would scan hundreds of listings and then I would just bring maybe a dozen or less to Katie for the, for the final analysis. And regardless of what room she was in the house, she could always hear me pounding the table or, or moaning in frustration at various points because so many of the listings were frustrating to us. Uh, we, we just couldn't get what we needed from them. There weren't enough pictures or the pictures were blurry or they were out of order or they forgot to mention something critical. So it started as frustration and, and then it kind of morphed into empathy where we're like, you know what? These hosts probably are not bad hosts because that's, that's the first thing you think is, well, if they put up a bad picture, then they might not be there when you need them when the a pipe breaks, you know? And it's not fair because it's not true. And we ultimately came to stay with a lot of hosts who didn't have amazing listings and we recognized that they were a stellar hosts. They just were missing this one piece. But in those early days, uh, we started thinking, you know, boy, these guys are missing out on a lot of revenue because there's just no way we're going to stay here. When we have all these other options, we're going to move on to the, the next listing that isn't making those mistakes. And then a, a light bulb went off in my head. And I don't know how long Katie thinks it took for me to uh, wear her down, but she'll tell you about her background. She was working for a Hollywood post-production agency that was doing trailers for uh, HGTV and Disney and Fox. And I was like, you know, this you could really help these people pretty easily. Like you could, you could teach them everything they need to know to leap into the top 20%, you know, in a short period of time. And so I started saying, well, we should start thinking about how to turn this into a business. Cause we always wanted something that didn't require us to have to be in a particular physical location. So that's my take on how it came about, but Katie might have a very different uh, remembrance of that. It's not very different at all. So the way we just, we started thinking about how we're going to turn this into a business and we traveled and sometimes we traveled, um, I would take photographs of, you know, of our neighbor's houses in Montana. And then sometimes we would do a trade where we would stay at an Airbnb in exchange for photos and some kind of marketing help. Because sometimes it's just, even with really good hosts, it's, it's, you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes. So we really bring in the guest perspective. Like, what do we notice as guests? What attracts us and, and what repels us? So we kind of provided the service along the way. And then I, I'm pretty sure, I think it built from, or it started from like a, let's do a PDF to a written course. We'll do a photo course. And now we have this full-on one-on-one service thing. So that's what we've come to. But it's, it's not that different from your story, Bray. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I love that you come from the guest perspective. 
because most of the people I, you know, mm-hmm. most of the people I talk to on the podcast are owners or they're managers. So mm-hmm. maybe they've stayed in one or two properties, but for, you know, the majority mm-hmm. of them have not spent a lot of time doing what you've done and, and really exploring other people's properties. The only one I know who, who has done that to a greater degree is, um, is Andy McNulty from Touch Day. He mm-hmm, got into the mm-hmm. business because he always stayed in vacation rentals wherever he went. And, mm-hmm, and yeah. the thing that he learned from them was that people, owners and managers don't send out enough information between booking and arriving. So hence touch stay, which right. is the digital guide, which I, right. I, I've already talked about at the, uh, at, in, in the introduction because I love touch stay. However, so mm-hmm. that's coming from the guest perspective and, it really is important because I've, I've been a guest in many vacation rentals as well. And I know that feeling. You look at a photograph and you see a bed that's only got two flat pillows on it and that can turn you off a property entirely. You yes, s- exactly. You, you, might you, you don't want to create a listing where you, uh, the guest has to think like, oh, this, this place kind of has potential because it's so easy to just move on to the next yeah. listing. Yeah. Well, let's, let's kick off. Let's talk about your seven principles. What is it? that people can do to improve their listing, to make that listing go from being overlooked to overbooked. And then when we get to the end, we're going to talk about um, how you can help those who don't want to do it themselves. All right. <laughs> okay. Let me just set a little bit of a context and then let Katie run with the, 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 the list. So as you talked about up front uh, really eloquently, the, one of the things that comes from being a guest is you recognize that all the hosts are in a hunger games with themselves, right? In other words, they've, they've got other competitors right next to them on the page. You have to win that first battle. And so all the things that you're going to hear about on our list are, are meant to uh, accomplish one or more of these few key principles that we're always thinking of. One of them is you have to establish trust you, and you, you have to maintain it. You got to make sure you're not doing anything to make somebody think, I'm not sure if I could trust this host to do what they need to do when I get there. Second thing is, uh, that's kind of like the, if it was a pyramid, that would be the foundation. That's kind of just, uh, you know, any up to, to get in the game. The next one above that is we use the word yearning. You want to create that sense that I want to jump through the screen and just be, I wish I could be there right now. It doesn't have to be on every picture because a picture of a refrigerator, it's hard to do that sometimes, but, but at least a couple of photos in every sequence need to have that yearning, whether it's a fire pit or a hammock uh, overlooking the ocean or something that makes you think, oh, the search is over. Now you said something very similar to this up, up front. I, I wish I could be there and now I don't need to think about any place else. And then third thing, I I like to call it winning tiebreakers. So because we've done so many of these uh, trips, it it almost always came down to three or four, not just one that stood head and shoulders above the rest. Usually you're in a battle at the end with three or four other ones that are about the same price, same part of town. They have everything we need. So why are we going to pick this one over the other two or the other three? And so we're trying to give you things that will put you a little above and beyond your competitors so that when you are in that tiebreaker situation, you're going to win more than your share of those tiebreakers. That's perfect. Okay. Over to you, Katie. All right. So we really wanted to kind of give you the A to Z thinking about the whole um, the sort of birth of a listing. And I know your hosts are probably already set up and they're in business, but sometimes there are just things that you overlook something that you know, you should do better and you know, you should do right. And these are things that we've really come across 
at least this spring a lot that we've tried to help our our hosts with. So first, you want to start with your guest avatar. That's the number one thing. So don't be everything to everybody. You really want to narrow down who is your ideal guest. And hosts talk about this, but I think there's this kind of fear that you're going to exclude someone great who would want to book your place. You need to stop thinking like that. So really think about who is your place truly great for, whether it's physically, you know, you need to be able to climb stairs. You mentioned that in the listing. Uh, are you doing co- Because often we see this thing where, where uh, hosts might list in their description. This is great for couples looking for a romantic getaway or a group of friends or a big family get together or a retired couple looking to do some outdoor activity. Which one is it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> by, having, by being very vanilla, um, no offense to vanilla, you're just going to attract nobody. So really try to think about who is your place perfect for, because that's going to frame everything else that you do in and outside your rental. And it's going to frame how you build your listing. So number two, moving on, the magnet photo. So this is, again, coming down, coming back to the Hunger Games thing, where people are scrolling through uh, Airbnb or VRBO or something, looking at a lot of thumbnails. And you need to basically stop the scroll. People in marketing use this thing for, for Facebook and a lot of other advertising things. How do you make a person stop the scroll and go, oh, that's interesting? Before they, they have this sort of just like a basic, uh, this sort of reaction like, oh, I want to click on that. Before they even process what it is that they want to click on. So poppy colors or good contrast. And something that we often advise that should be in the magnet is contrasting colors. The subject should be fairly simple. So if you have a lot of stuff, a lot of clutter, shrink it down to thumbnail form and it's really difficult to figure out what it is mm-hmm. that you're looking at. So a simple topic and a lot of color. And you should do some research on your competition. So go to your part of town and do a search as if you're the guest and take a look at what your neighbors are doing. Because we often do in this, or we do this as an exercise and we did this when we traveled. In a lot of cities, they have themes. So, for example, you know, in Oslo, they'd have a, a gray Nordic living room. And in Bali, they had this green garden with a pool and a red house at the back. So you want to try to do something different. Think about how are you going to stand out and, again, stop that scroll. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. thinking on that, mm-hmm. so you mentioned, you know, a living room or an exterior, which, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if you've got two amazing shots which do you mm-hmm. think is going to be the one that is is the most magnetic, I guess? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that has bright colors yeah, and or the one that is not like your competition. All right. Okay. Okay. So if everybody's showing a sunset because, you know, because everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's every one of these condo units faces west. <laughs> so Exactly. Right. So everybody's right. showing the sunset. So you'd go, mm-hmm. you'd do something different? Yes, exactly. You do something different. Or if everybody has a, for example, a pool is not a big deal in um, Arizona. We did a search there. Everybody has a backyard pool, pool, a big, yeah. So you have a house and the blue pool. Mm-hmm. Every thumbnail is the same. So maybe you do something different. You get a sunset photo where you get these purple and red colors that are not just the blue and maybe a couple of wine glasses and drinks there. And suddenly it's just like, oh, that's different. So forget, like, yes, you have a pool in the background, but just visually try to sort of tickle the lizard brain that just reacts to pretty colors and make them click on your listing because then you've sort of got them in your sales funnel, right? You've, you've got them, you, they clicked on your listing and now you get to present all this other lovely stuff, your wine and your flowers and your high thread count sheets, um, I, I, all the stuff that would go to waste. I saw otherwise. one, I, I did see one recently that really struck me and it was, 
it was a it was Caribbean, and a lot of what I was seeing was was the blue turquoise water. Mm-hmm. And and I have seen this this picture before, but it, it was as you say, you know, you're scrolling through, you see all these thumbnails that look exactly the same, and this one was just the colourful signs. You know, you have them on a post, and there's yeah. there's, there's I don't know yeah. signs, signs to Toronto or whatever, but they're all in really bright colours. So something like that. So this this is a really interesting point that. I think we get so stuck on saying we've got to show something about our property, but what mm-hmm. you're doing is actually pulling people in and it's not as important what it is as, as, as much as the magnetic part of it. I was going to say, yeah, we, we call it the magnet photo because it's the one that pulls you into the rest of the listing. Yeah. And, and when you ask that, that question about either or, we also like to point out that we're not claiming we always get it right the first time. We're, we're big fans of data. Yeah. So not not all of these uh, OTAs are great about giving you all the data you would want. But even if you just were ch- comparing two weeks of how many views did you get with this front photo versus this other magnet photo, you can start to see trends. So you don't have to just assume that you made the right choice right off the bat. You can actually do just like uh, like Amazon and, and everybody else does that's doing massive A-B testing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really good mindset to have is like, let's see if this moves us in the right direction. And if it doesn't, we'll swap in something else that does. Okay, that that is great. Okay, number three. Mm-hmm. Number three. Right. Branding. Here's a little teaser. We're going to be giving away a branding guide uh, at the at the end of this book. But basically, what we mean by branding is you need to have something that they can hook onto. So part of that is a name. I'm a big fan of of goofy names. They don't have to be goofy, but if you wanted one that really will lodge in somebody's mind, uh, I call it the cocktail party test. Imagine you just came back from a place in the Bahamas or something, and you're talking to somebody at a party, and they say, oh, I'm going to be going to the Bahamas next month. Where was the place that you stayed? How easy is it for you to be able to tell them? Are you just going to say, well, I I remember it was about a block from the beach. It was near the center of town. It was a two-bedroom. That's not going to get them anywhere, right? But if if it was the Rusty Pelican, you probably are (laughs) going to remember that. And then you say, oh, I stayed at the Rusty Pelican. Now, if they type that in, they're either going to get to your website or they're even, I think these days, even even the OTA, sometimes you can put in words that will pull up the right one if it's uh, unusual enough. So I like coming up with adjectives and either flowers or birds or other kind of nouns and put any two together that don't really make much sense. And that, that rule, like, it's impossible to forget those. There's other strategies for coming up with good names too, but, but it's, it's really, really useful to have a name. I love property names. We have 140 properties and every single one of them it has to be named. So we, 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 we do yeah. have some interest. I mean, we just, the, the latest one we have is just called Hugo House. You know, the, <laughs> the Danish concept of Hugo. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's all it takes. Exactly. It's like the, the, te- the test for whether the, the name is any good is how, how likely am I to remember it next week or next month? Well, people uh-huh. are probably going to call it Higgy House because, you know, it, I, I, I did say to, to one of my colleagues, you know, okay, so I've had to find a video to show all my, col- all my staff how to pronounce Hugo House. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but people, I think, will remember it. I stayed in one in Costa Rica 10 years ago called Flying Toucans, and I've never forgotten that one. Oh, there you go. That's perfect. And I, I have that one word of warning for the naming thing, and it comes back down to your, your guest avatar. So 
depending on who your guest is. And now, of course, COVID has thrown everyone on a loop. So a lot of us get national sort of local travelers. Sometimes you get international ones. But think about the language that your guests are going to speak, because we've recently run into a lot of rentals that have where the name is in the local language, whatever it is. And I'm from Finland. I speak a couple of languages, but most travelers will get English. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there. No offense to French or any of those things. But if you have a the name of your rental, for example, if I had a rental in Finnish, it would make absolutely no sense to international travelers. They wouldn't be able to remember it. They can't Google it. They can't pronounce it. So really think, make sure that the name that you choose is going to be easy for even international travelers. Mm-hmm. Even if you think the meaning is obvious and, and they'll look it up, I'm sorry to say it's not. Yes. <laughs> Help us out and make it fairly easy to remember preferably English. Yeah, well, a couple, and, couple of examples of ours. We have A Whisper in Time, which I, I always loved. Oh, I like mm-hmm. And yeah. one, and there's another called A Wave from It All. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And even those would speak to a certain kind of people, like a group yeah. of students coming, looking for a party place. They're not going to go to The Whisper in Time. No. Most likely. No, exactly. Or away from it all. <laughs> so you can really narrow down who who uh, finds that attractive, even with just the name. Yes, yeah. And we, we've had a lot of hosts that have used alliteration, like you, you mentioned one, they both had the H. So we have one host where whatever street it's on, she looks for an adjective. So it's like perfect on Provence or mm-hmm. uh, heavenly Fabulous on Fabulous on Fitzroy. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think, I mean, you can go to a lot of places and find the names. You can go yeah. to exactly. you can go yeah. to other sites, you know, particularly property management sites where where they have names uh-huh. and uh, and I think there are exactly. I know there are cottage name generators. If you go, if you just type in cottage oh, name okay. generator, it will come up with absolutely you know moose bear, um, squirrel <laughs> chipmunk skunk, you know all the animals plus right. cottage yeah. house mansion yeah. lodge. Right. And I'm I'm completely okay with that. If you need to we have a we have a guest that we just totally made up a name for her that then became a mascot. And it's so easy to Google her place. If you just Google it, her place will come up. But I you wanna another warning, my second warning is that if you call your place the Moose Lodge, just Google it in your neighborhood, because I'm thinking you won't be the only Moose Lodge exactly. there. <laughs> so if you're in a foresty, wooded, lodgy, cabiny type of area, I I just wanna Make sure you want to pick moose as your thing. Maybe it should be something different. Yes, so I, I completely agree. That out there. I completely agree. We we have stopped using sunset, sunrise, so right. beach. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, trying to trying to choose something that uh, that people will remember, but is also unique. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Google your name before you commit to it because you don't want to accidentally compete with another business or a, you know, a strip club or something unfortunate, <laughs> make sure that you do a little bit of research on the name before you fall in love with it. So do you have I any, mean, for nothing else, sorry, I was going to say, well, even you like managing hundreds of properties, just for your team, for your team's sake, say you have three on one street and then five in this part of town, how are you going to reference them? It's so easy to tell your team members, your cleaners and your staff. Okay. Go to fabulous on Fitzroy, go to Fox cottage, go to this yeah. one. So, yeah. So anything else on branding before we move on to number four? I think we got it. Let's, okay. let's move on. <laughs> but the thing is, once, okay. you, once you've got that name, then that lends itself and you've got your name and your logo, it lends itself mm. to everything else if you're managing your own website, for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it definitely can get you some, at least at this moment in time, if you have your name 
listed in the OTA listings, there's, there are savvy travelers who will say, well, I wonder if the Purple Penguin has a website. And then they'll put that in and they'll end up on your site without having to have done any really didn't take didn't take a lot of uh, brain effort to get to uh, from from your listing to your actual site, which you prefer. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, what's exactly. number four then? So now we're moving on to you have your branding done and then you're going to set up your listing and your your photos and stuff. So let's go to staging. Staging is really important and you shouldn't overlook this. This is what's going to make the content in the photos really interesting. So again, we recommend some sort of colors, color themes, and you can think about your branding. So the purple penguin, it could just be one penguin. And you could think about removable textiles or maybe you get a mascot, maybe you order some custom artwork where you have the purple penguin, something that you can put in a photo that just, again, hits home with the guest looking through your photo sequence, like, oh, there's a purple penguin. And you can, you know, give them a name and turn it into a game where you hide the penguin. And if the guests find it, they get a little perk or something like that. But staging really is important. So I, I like the classics. I like the bowl of fruit. I like the croissants with the wine. And again, you can think about something colorful. So you see you have a blue sofa with some yellow pillows, nice contrasting colors. Maybe you do, you know, like little orange juice and, and red strawberries, like a pop of color, a breakfast setup. And you want to do the classics, like stack up the pillows, like in hotels, make sure everything is neat and clean. Turn on all the lights. That's a part of staging for your photos. It just makes things more cozy. And make sure that you cover sort of so-called big empty spaces. So I'm talking like walls and tables, even floors, because they just look like big gaping holes in photos, right? So if you can put up artwork, um, think, you know, blankets and pillows and cover coffee tables, put something on a coffee table magazine, your welcome book, um, the cup of coffee, same for countertops and do the same for you. If you have a patio or a deck or a balcony, uh, beach chairs, put towels there, basically create a scene that's ready for a guest. So all it's missing is the guest because it, it comes back down to the yearning like, oh, I can see myself there. All it's missing is the guest. So staging really is, is uh, important for photos. I'd like to give a shout out to somebody, to one of our listeners, actually, Shireen McClellan, who owns a property in Kanab, Utah. It's called the Western Star Bungalow. And you can see her website at mystarvr.com. Now, she calls it Western, you know, going back to names and branding, she calls it Western Star Bungalow. It's in an area where the old Westerns were filmed. So her place is staged with old film memorabilia. So she really has her avatar. You know, these are the people who are interested in the, 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 uh, the landscape around Utah and the lovely red colors of the rocks and, and the history mm-hmm. of filmmaking. So everything, it's a theme that runs right the way through it. And she does, it's really worthwhile going to My Star VR and having a look at her website. It is, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Shireen, you've done a fabulous job. Yeah, but, yeah that's great. Yeah, she's, uh, she, she's following all these. <laughs> yeah, great. So yeah, staging, I, staging I think is, is, is just ultra, ultra important. One of the things mm-hmm. that makes me choose a property is the way the bed looks. The way the bed, you know, that I want to feel that at the end of a long day, I'm going to be able to climb in that bed and feel and be really, really comfortable. 
So Mm -hmm. that is massively important to me. And I just see so many listings that just have, you know, a flat cover on top of a, of of a thin mattress with two, two flat pillows. And Mm -hmm. regardless of what the rest of the place looks like, I'm not even going to, well, I'm just going to scroll on. I'm not stopping. Mm Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, if for some reason you live in a location where you really can't leave the bedding on, put them on for the photos. Yeah. Ideally, I try to tell hosts that don't put a lot of stuff in the photos that won't be there. I want stuff to be there that guests can enjoy. Don't wheel out something that you're later going to then take away because the photos, we want to make sure that this is what we get. What you see is what you get. But there are some things, some perishables that you can stage for the photos. And we've had some guests who have brought in some local made uh, bread, local made jam, somebody who makes honey. Put that stuff in there and then the photo captions, you can mention where the guests can purchase that. Mm -hmm. Or you can turn that into an add-on that you can say, hey, if you'd like this Mother's Day add-on or this Valentine's Day add-on, just, uh, you know, do a little upsell, a little bump where they can purchase for a fee this package that you're presenting in your photos. Oh, that's a great idea. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've, we've got the avatar. We've got the magnet photo, branding, staging. What's next? All right. So now a bit of a technical thing that I've noticed in our virtual photo shoots, I've recently had to say a lot and I tell hosts that I'm going to be telling this to you over and over again. When you take the photos, for those of you who do it yourselves or you just want to, it's perfectly fine without your iPhone and take a couple of shots. It's not about the iPhone. It's about you, the photographer. <laughs> don't want to freak you out, but don't, don't diss the smartphones. You can get beautiful photos with them if you just know what you're doing. The one technical thing that's uh, a habit that's really tough to break is when you walk into a room, you take out your phone and you lift it high, almost up to your eyes, and you start pointing down and photographing stuff. Stop it. Don't do it. The way you reverse that and get really nice photos without a wide angle lens, you get this natural wide angle look. You can even get a small space to look kind of big and grand is you lower the camera almost down to your waist level, at least your chest level, depending on your own height. And you want to look at the vertical lines like the walls and the shelves, and those start to straighten when you lower the camera, as long as you don't point down. So you just want to lower the camera and look straight into the room. Like if you had a laser going from your camera to the back, it's just parallel with the floor. And then you want to back up. Guaranteed where you're picturing yourself being in the room right now, back up from where you are. I take most of my photos of rooms from outside the room. So even, even, if, even if it's one connected space, I want to photograph the dining area, I'm probably going to back up all the way down to the kitchen or to the living room. Or if I want to photograph a bathroom, there's no way I'm standing in it. Unless I'm in the hut tub or, or the bathtub trying to get a photo from a reverse angle. So just back up from where you are, because that way you also get a wider view. And keep looking at your camera and notice how it changes. And I, I recommend you're trying to photograph a room, back up until something blocks the view. Um, this is what our graphic design teacher used to tell us when we were, you know, had to do like 200 drafts of a logo or something is go so far until you've gone too far until we've made a design that just doesn't work anymore. And then you bring it back and you find this Goldilocks zone where it works. Do the same thing when you're taking photos. You want to, you're in the room. So you start to back up, back up. And now suddenly you get the door frames. Okay. They're blocking the view. This mm-hmm. is too far. And then you come back and you try to find that sort of a perfect fake wide angle of your room. So lower the camera and back up are my two big things that I keep saying over and over again on our virtual photo shoots. What, what about um, a bedroom, taking a picture of, of a bedroom? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out there doing that three, four times a week. And mm-hmm. 
I tend to, you know, come back to the foot of the bed and, and, and yes, come right down. Is, is that mm-hmm. right? Yes, that's right. So if you have to take one shot of a bedroom, you want to be at the foot of the bed, aiming at the head of the bed, and you want to go across it. Mm-hmm. So corner to corner from one end of the foot to the opposite side of the head. And usually if you have uh, lamps, night lamps or reading lamps, you want to get them both in frame. Mm-hmm. And you want to frame it so you're looking from the doorway and you have the head of the bed on your left and the foot on your right, so to speak. There's a little bit of empty space, like maybe a wall or a window uh, on top of the bed there. Make sure that there's something interesting there. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to, you can do reverse angles, but but you're doing it exactly right. If you had to take, and usually this is from the doorway, yeah, but not always. The one shot is, is from the foot across to the opposite head of the bed, trying to get both lamps or nightstands in view. And you want to go low, but not so low that you lose the bedding. Yeah. So we want to be able to see the top of the bed, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was going to ask about bathrooms are always so difficult to... Yep. To get a, a good image of. And everybody wants to see, you know, what the bathroom looks like. I mean, my view mm-hmm. is, you know, a toilet is a toilet. <laughs> so how do you yeah. take the photograph of Forget, the bathroom? Yeah. Of course, you've got the, the, the seat down, but mm, how yeah. can you take a photo Please. of a bathroom that makes it look attractive? Well, that is one thing. So ignore the toilet. Forget the toilet. It's, <laughs> it's, we're all going to assume it has a toilet. We don't need a reminder of the toilet in the photo. So again, if you need to get one thing and with small spaces sometimes what i tell people is just divide and conquer it's okay if you can't get everything in one shot that's okay try to get the sink in the mirror if you can get nothing else get the sink in the mirror and you can get it at an angle where you're not in the frame yourself and then a lot of people really care about the shower water pressure they want to know what the shower is like that's a, a kind of a make or break thing for them so then you can just take a separate photo of the shower, truly the shower head and your little shampoo things and something like that and put those in the listing. Those are not very sexy photos, but they're informational. These yeah. are the things that people want to know. Like you wanted to know how, what the bed is like, just physically you want it to seem comfortable. People care about the shower too. So and again, you want to back up and try, try both, try wide view, try a, uh, a portrait mode, try a landscape mode. Mm-hmm. And then if you can't get everything in one shot, that's, that's okay. Okay, so we're going to come back when, when we finish these seven points, these seven principles, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about your virtual photo shoot and how you help people mm-hmm. do this from the comfort of your home. <laughs> you don't have to join them. Yeah. <laughs> so, but for, for, for now, let's move on to number six. Yes. All right. So it's what everybody dreads. Number six is editing. Sorry, guys, you just have to do it. If you don't want to do it yourself, get somebody to do it. Your tech-savvy niece or nephew, I will happily do it. This is my favorite thing. I come from post. I love to edit photos. But we talked about branding and colors and all the stuff. And and as much as we recommend smartphones and even the best of cameras, they're just not perfect. They're not as good as our eye. We can spot colors and color themes and adjust for brightness and shadows, but our cameras, they just can't. So editing is what's going to even it out, and that's what's going to create the sort of an even professional high quality listing sequence so we i have an example if you go to blueharborview.com we have a customer who has a has these lovely turquoise cabinets in the kitchen and when we were doing the photo shoot the virtual photo shoot depending on what angle we took them from they completely changed colors in one photo they were green in another one they were blue and another one they were turquoise but there's such a big standout feature i really wanted them to to pop and look consistent because that's a part of your theme right 
you've meticulously picked out your paint and your sofa color and all the stuff to match. Editing is what can tie it together. You can make a room brighter. You can make window darker. You can uh, make those little color details pop. And we get this consistent look, for example, for those turquoise cabinets. So that in every photo, it looks the same. It's going to make it more memorable. It's going to make it appear more mm -hmm. professional. And again, it comes down to, oh, I trust this host. I know what they're doing. Even if the host has nothing to do with taking the photos, we all attribute this stuff to the host, right? So um, editing really is important. Okay. So indoors, you usually have a lot of problem with colors. You want to bring down the saturation. Outdoors, you want to do the opposite. Scenery often looks kind of flat. You want to make the colors pop, really create a, a bright blue sky, uh, blue water, green grass, all that kind of stuff that just looks a little meh when it comes out the comes out the other end you have you have a couple of really good examples on your website so on the show notes of course will be a link to your website so people can look at that and see some of those before and after shots uh, and i'll also put a link to blueharborview.com so people can take a look mm -hmm. at that too okay so great we got the photos done what's number seven so one thing i wanted to add about editing is that we have talked to a lot of hosts who get nervous that we're going to take photos that set the guest expectations too high and that that's going to hurt their reviews. A lot of what Katie just said did make it sound like we're going to try and make the place look better than it is, but that's not the way it turns out. Like we've never had anybody come back to us and say, Oh, a guest was complaining that there was a gap between how the photos turned out. Uh, it's, it's much more what Katie said originally, which is that people think it's cheating to edit, but really it's just leveling the playing field. You were just bringing the photo to what your eye would have seen if you had been there in the first place. And so maybe you go a tiny bit uh, more color than, than some, sometimes would be the case if you were standing in the room, but never to the point where it, it feels like there's a mismatch between what you mm -hmm. were sold. Because that's the difference. I, I used to troll these uh, real estate discussion boards sometimes, and the, and the photographers would complain about the real estate agents saying, well, just you know, blow it out, make it as amazing as possible. I'll deal with the, with the disgruntled people who show up at the open house because I got 10 other houses that I can show them if they didn't like this one. Well, vacation rental is completely the, a, a different, different breed altogether, right? So we're vacation rental photographers in the sense that we know that everybody who is looking at these is going to have to pay you before they ever show up. So they're basically having to trust that you're going to live up to, to what you showed them. And there's, there's no other place around the corner that I'll show you if you, if you're, if you're not happy with this one. So that is a Katie great, is, that is such a great point because mm -hmm. you, you do see some of the people who are renting vacation rentals just don't have that. Uh, they don't have that luxury of saying, Oh no, I've got there. I don't like it. I'll choose something else. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and there are some photos that do go over the top. We've seen some rentals where we're like, there's no way it looks like that in real life because there's, Katie knows there are HDR techniques where you can make stuff look what we call candy colored, yeah. where it just, it feels like a surreal environment. And you're like, no house looks like that when you're in the living room. So Katie is one of the more realistic photographers I've seen in terms of like, she sticks to the letter of, of, of what's really there and, and how it really looks. So number seven, this is my favorite one. Become an ambassador for your, I'll say town. A lot of hosts get a, a little bit too literal and think of the listing as just about the four walls that they're responsible for. And we're encouraging everybody to expand beyond that. And even if you're citing or taking photos of things that 
you assume the guest already knows about. Like if you're in Paris, you know, you figure they know the Eiffel Tower is there. But it doesn't mean you can't put a picture of the Eiffel Tower and then talk about how far you are from it or talk about what time of day it tends to have the least traffic or some kind of inside knowledge. So because becoming an ambassador means thinking about why would they be coming to your part of town? Why would they be coming to your town? And Katie does a thing with concentric circles where you think about your, your rental, your neighborhood, your city, your country. You know, why would they be coming to Finland? Why would they be coming to New Zealand? So you can even, you know, you'll, you'll come up with different ideas at every one of those levels. And it's, you're never going to get penalized for telling them too much that they already know. So if you assume they don't know anything, then you can find all kinds of neat stuff. And there's this weird phenomenon. Think about if you've ever recommended a show on Netflix to somebody or, or somebody recommended to you. If you like that show, you somehow give them a bunch of credit for having turned you on to it as if they were a co-producer or something. <laughs> like, oh, so thank you so much for telling me. I love that show. It's the same with the restaurants in your town or the best bike trail or the best waterhole or whatever. If you tell them, hey, the happy hour at this place from three to five on Thursdays is unbelievable and they have a great time there, it's as if you were responsible for that happy hour and that your trust points go up. You're the apple of their eye in terms of the, the, they think of you as a special added value above and beyond the place. And that expects that tiebreaker thing. You're just going to win a lot of tiebreakers if you say, hey, I know there's take 10 steakhouses in, in this town. I've been to all of them. Don't waste your time on these eight. These two are the best ones. That is worth money to people. That's what, and, and it's worth them thinking, well, why don't I go to the place that is already thinking about my best interests and my best vacation rather than just kind of rolling out a, a laundry list of what they have at their place? That, uh, yeah, another great point, because it, it just made me think about, again, going back to Costa Rica, the people we, the uh, company we stayed with, they recommended whale watching trip. And there were a ton of different whale watching trips and, and or dolphin watching, whatever it was. And we, we wouldn't have been known which one to choose. And they led us yeah. to the best one. And I always remember that. And that's 10 years ago. Still remember the name of that property manager and the name of that house. Yeah. And if you can, as an owner, even in bigger cities, you should absolutely try to build a relationship with the business. So um, you could try to get a deal for your guests. Say, if you go to this place and you mention our rental, you get a free cup of coffee with your, your meal. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Or we've stayed in a lot of towns. Um, uh, well, it's like everybody knows New York. Everybody knows LA by name, right? But you don't actually know what the neighborhoods are like. So you having a personal recommendation, even for, just for your neighborhood. Okay, yes, it's New York. You're going to do the touristy things or whatever you're there for. You're going to go to a convention or something. But here's this best coffee that you can walk to in the morning. Out of all the places that you could be stuck on with on a trip advisor or somewhere, you having this personal recommendation, something that you would want your guests to try. And it's a great way to get a guest out and experience something they maybe wouldn't on their own. Mm -hmm. um, or for example, the same thing on Queenstown, you get this in New Zealand, you get this overwhelming, this overload of things to do. You could do canyoning and zip lining and, and all the stuff. Maybe you pick a couple that you really think the guests would enjoy, or here's the, here's the best way to spend three hours or mm -hmm. this thing is going to last for two minutes and it's going to cost the same that this other 45 minute adventure thing, or you kind of narrow it down for your guests, or they have this amazing escape room. And, and, and here's how you get 10% off. If you mention our rental, when you go to uh, book a time there. So it, it's just a great way to add a personal touch. And yes, people are going to probably Google your town, but you almost want to create the sense that you don't need any more info than what I give you yeah. in my listing. 
you're just creating this nice cocoon where the guest just feels like, oh, I just want to be there now. And they just can't wait to book sign. They're going to justify a slightly higher price because your place is just so nice and your listing is really great. This is, this is great. All seven of these points are fantastic. Are you sneaking in a ninth? Yeah, we have a <laughs> bonus one. Brian, you want to talk about reviews? Yeah, so obviously reviews are critical. They're, uh, you know, a third-party reference beyond just you saying your, your place is awesome. And they influence the rankings on the OTAs. So this is kind of a broad-based thing that don't just think of them like the weather. Well, I hope they come in. You know, I hope we get some reviews. Take proactive st steps to try to get the kind of reviews that you want, whether it's through a drip campaign or, or follow-up emails. But also think about the kind of questions that are not just like, hey, did you like it here? Say, like, what was your favorite experience? You know, what was your favorite thing you did around town? Or, or what, you know, what, also what can we do to improve? But, but really getting into the details of what they experience. And if you phrase the questions the right way, you'll sometimes come back, they'll come back with stories that you can actually incorporate into your listing. So one of the things that we do a lot of times is we'll take the best one or two sentences out of a review and put it as a caption on a photo that's relevant to that, or even intersperse it in the description section. So you might have uh, somebody bragging about how, like, we, we haven't had a more relaxing night than the one in front of the fireplace, uh, you know, when it rained or whatever. And so you have a photo that's like that, and that becomes the caption from J Janet from Ohio in 2019. That's a, that has more of an impact than if you just said, you're going to really enjoy our fireplace. So pumping up the reviews, mm -hmm. both in terms of how you use them in the listing and also doing everything that you can to try to uh, elicit great reviews from your guests is going to make uh, a huge, huge difference. That yeah. is that is amazing. That's, there is so much here for people to unpack. And, you know, I, th I think if they only take out one piece of this and just apply it right now, then I, th I think they're going to make a real difference to a listing. So you've got something you're going to um, um, offer our listeners? Yeah, two things, actually. So oh. we have something we call a branding guide, which is a, a free, I think it's about 15 pages. It has a lot of, it, it, it touches on a lot of the things that we talked about today, but it, it also kind of jumpstarts people's imagination. So there's a lot of adjectives, a lot of verbs, and a, and a lot of lists of activities, and, and, amenities, mm -hmm. things that you, you say, oh yeah, we do have that, but we don't mention it in the listing. We can't tell you how many times we become like the, uh, the ghostwriter for somebody where uh, they tell us, oh yeah, we, ha we have beekeeping in the backyard, but we just didn't put that in the listing. Well, why would you not put that in the listing? We run an organic garden and, we, and we'd be happy to tour people through it if they want. Why would you not put pictures of that? You know, so that people will bury the lead on their own properties so often. And so the branding guide is really good at, at basically forcing everybody to think in a way that extracts uh, the best from their property and also gives them a lot of uh, verbiage for how to describe that in a way that comes across in both the words and in, in captions for photos. Well, so I've, I've, that, seen uh, the, I've seen the branding guide and I learned from it. I learned a lot from it. It really <laughs> is. It's, it's not a simple, you know, single one page PDF download. This is really valuable. So I'm so glad you're sharing it with, with our audience. Now, to, to get that, right. you can go to the show notes and um, I'll work out with Brian and Katie how we're going to get that that to you. But mm -hmm. 
Go to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VRS396 and, uh, and you'll get information on that. Yes. And then the other one is that this is the way we, we do most of our business these days is through assess, assessment, listing assessment calls. So basically, you tell us what your list, you give us the URL for your listing. We spend some time, we have a, 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 like a 50 point assessment form, but then we take some notes and we, we highlight what we would change first or, or the, the, the rank priority of, of what we would do to make this listing even better. And we do that through a Zoom call. So normally we charge $79 for that, but we're going to give you guys a code that you can get that weight. And we, I think we're going to do VRS 396 for the code. And so that would be on our website. You would just follow any of the buttons. They all lead to the same place, which is the opportunity to book a listing assessment. But in this case, you'll be putting in that coupon code. And we've gotten really tremendous feedback from that. Do you know how many listeners we get to this show? I know. I know. I'm in the process of potentially bringing on staff to deal with the excess. But we really, our attitude is, we're not trying to sell our services to anybody who doesn't need them. So the assessment is a pretty critical yeah. piece because there are times where we say, you know, you're doing everything right, or it's just these one or two little things that you need. And we have a way of, uh, you know, offering you advice on doing that or doing it for you. But uh, I don't know if you were going to segue into talking to Katie about the. the yes. The, yeah. The, I was just going to uh, just uh, wrap it up by asking Katie for the sort of elevator pitch on the, <laughs> on the virtual photo shoot. How do you do this? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I can tell you exactly how we do it. So when we work with a host, and I was going to say this isn't really is for both of us. We want to make sure that we help someone who needs help and who really wants help. So it's for it's a mutual thing that we're trying to figure out if we're a good fit. And if we decide to work together. We do the virtual photo shoot. Uh, we just hop on a video call. Usually I use WhatsApp. We can use Skype. We can use FaceTime. And I generally we do that with that same smartphone. So say you're on a video call with somebody on WhatsApp. Basically, what they just do is they flip the camera. So now suddenly I don't see their face. I see what they're seeing through their camera. And I truly just guide them, um, sort of pull their strings like Geppetto and tell them, okay, where do you want to start? You want to start in the room that you're in? All right, let's start with the kitchen. Okay, walk over here, back up and walk over here. Let's scoot over by that chair and point over to your espresso machines or across the kitchen. Okay, great. Lower the camera. Great. There. Perfect. Okay. So I want to see the curtains on the left and I want to see... Uh, the chair on the right and take a picture there. And then what they do is they flip back to their camera app. They take, uh, I usually take, take say, take, take a shot here. What they do is they take like three or four. So if I say, if you're not 100% sure in your height or where you should be tilting, just take a couple of options. They do that, they switch back to WhatsApp and we move on. Okay, great. Now let's go in closer and get a close-up shot of that espresso machine. Okay, lower the, so that's how it goes. Okay. So we just jump on a, yeah. And I guide them through the rental. I have a shot list made for them where I tried to build a kind of like a floor plan for myself to make sure we have everything covered. We ask some questions ahead of time. We just did a place that basically owls were their mascot. It was called Owl's House. And I asked, do you have any owls in the house? Because I didn't see them in your photos. And sure enough, they did, like a hundred. So we <laughs> photographed a couple of those mascots to tell their story better. Okay, let's get a photo of this guy. Let's get a close-up shot of the clock. Let's get a close-up shot of the pillow with the owls. And of course, we do all the wide coverage too. They upload the photos for me to edit and I deliver a gallery back. And then they can give me notes if they want. That's fantastic. So that's what, a, what a great service that is. So Heather, I want to throw one, one thing in. In the early days, our, our original business was basically a 
video photo course, basically teaching people through lessons, video lessons, how to do a lot of what we've been talking about. And it really worked very, very well. But people did phenomenal amounts of business when you compare before and after. But what we came to recognize over the last couple of years is that hosts don't really need another skill to learn. And so we started thinking, well, how can we take more of the burden onto ourselves and and not say, hey, here's another thing to put on your to-do list. And that's how we kind of migrated to this virtual photo shoot. And so we have a lot of examples of like three tiers where there's the photos they had before they knew we existed. Then there's the photos that they took after they went through our course, which were a big upgrade. But then we noticed another big upgrade, even the people who had gone through the video course, once Katie was the one who guided them <laughs> through the whole shoot, it, it, it's, it's like two major leaps. And so we're really, it only took three, three test cases before Katie said, I don't think I could have taken better photos if I had been on site myself. And that's when we really knew we had kind of rounded the whole thing out. Well, that, that, that's a great service. And I do encourage everybody to go take a look at Overlooked 2, and that is the figure two overbooked, right? Overlooked to overbooked.com. Yes, yes. and, and you can go check out the show notes. You'll find that. You'll find links to all the other things that we, uh, we have talked about here. We've just hit the hour mark, and <laughs> which is probably one of the longest ones I've ever done. But I, I think the, uh, the content here is, is fantastic. So... I loved every minute of talking to you guys. Um, hopefully we can get together at some point in the future. Is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Katie? I wish I did, I wish I did but I think we covered a lot. Oh, I don't know, Brian, we'll get something. <laughs> I don't think we have. I mean, I, I would just say, you know, in the early days, we almost were sheepish about talking about the fact that we didn't have a rental, but we were coming from the guest perspective. And then eventually we just leaned into it because we saw that it was actually filling a, a blind spot and nothing happens until somebody books, right? So, yeah. so it's natural. it's natural for a host to think, about all the delivery aspects, making sure that the uh, experience is exactly what, what it's promised to be. But all of that is back-end stuff that never gets to happen unless you do the front-end right and you win your share of the bookings on whatever site that you're listed on. So that's what we're trying to do is, is basically plug that gap and, and make it so that you come off online just as wonderful as we know you are as a host. That's a wonderful place to finish here, Brian. You know, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me and sharing all this wonderful stuff. I think you're going to be completely overwhelmed <laughs> with, <laughs> with people wanting to take you up on on your. We're going to be overbooked. Oh, you're going to be overbooked. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great offer. But people, please go to the show notes, um, check it, check this out, and pick up your copy of the branding guide because if you do nothing else, that is super super valuable okay thank you both for joining me always an, an absolute pleasure looking forward to seeing you again one day in person yes thank you for having us Well, thank you so much, Brian and Katie. That was fantastic. We've sort of overrun a little bit, so I'm not going to go on too much in this outro. Just want to say that that's a fantastic offer that they've made to do a free listing assessment for our listeners. However, because we probably get maybe we'll get 2,000 listens to this podcast over the next 
three, four months or so, we've, we've got to put a limit on this uh, or else they're going to be totally overwhelmed and Katie won't have the time to go do her virtual photo shoots, which are hugely valuable as well. So we are just putting a week on this from the date of publication. So if you listen on the date of publication or within seven days of that, you this offer for the for the free listing assessment is going to be valid. After that, you'll still be able to download the branding guide from the show notes. So uh, hurry on over to the show notes at vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VRS396 and, uh, and you can book that free listing assessment uh, if you can do that within a week of publication. Hey, that's plenty from me today. Thank you so much as ever for listening. Please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Five star, of course. You know, if you, if you don't like the podcast, let me know what it is that you don't like and I'll see if I can make some changes. So we're coming up to the uh, 400th episode. I'm still trying to figure out what to do. That's going to be super special for that. I hope I don't get to it like I did to 200 and 300 and just sail through it without even mentioning it. I'm mentioning it right now to give myself more of a reminder than than anything else really. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and have yourself a really great day. You've been listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase, your go-to location when searching for new products and services for your vacation rental business. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.